Chapter Twenty Six of the Country Parson His Character and Rule of Life. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rick Vina. The Country Parson his character and rule of life by george herbert chapter twenty six the parson's eye the country parson at spare times from action standing on a hill and considering his flock discovers two sorts of vices and two sorts of vicious persons there are some vices whose natures are always clear and evident, as adultery, murder, hatred, lying, etc. There are other vices whose natures, at least in the beginning, are dark and obscure, as covetousness and gluttony. So likewise there are some persons who abstain not even from known sins. There are others who when they know a sin evidently they commit it not it is true indeed they are long unknowing it being partial to themselves and witty to others who shall reprove them for it a man may be both covetous and intemperate and yet hear sermons against both and himself condemn both in good earnest and the reason hereof is because the natures of these vices being not evidently discussed or known commonly the beginnings of them are not easily observable and the beginnings of them are not observed because of the sudden passing from that which was just now lawful to that which is presently unlawful even in one continued action so a man dining eats at first lawfully but proceeding on comes to do unlawfully even before he is aware not knowing the bounds of the action nor when his eating begins to be unlawful so a man storing up money for his necessary provisions both in present for his family and in future for his children hardly perceives when his storing becomes unlawful yet is there a period for his storing and a point or centre when his storing which was even now good passeth from good to bad wherefore the parson being true to his business hath exactly sifted the definitions of all virtue and vices especially conversing those whose natures are most stealing and beginnings uncertain particularly concerning these two vices not because they are all that are of this dark and creeping disposition but for example sake and because they are most common he thus thinks first for covetousness he lays this ground whosoever when a just occasion calls either spends not at all or not in some proportion to god's blessing upon him is covetous 
the reason of the ground is manifest because wealth is given to that end to supply our occasions now if i do not give every thing its end i abuse the creature i am false to my reason which should guide me i offend the supreme judge in perverting that order which he hath set both to things and to reason the application of the ground would be infinite but in brief a poor man is an occasion my country is an occasion my friend is an occasion my table is an occasion my apparel is an occasion if in all these and those more which concern me i either do nothing or pinch and scrape and squeeze blood undecently to the station wherein god hath placed me i am covetous more particularly and to give one instance for all if god have given me servants and i either provide too little for them or that which is unwholesome being sometimes baned meat sometimes too salt and so not competent nourishment i am covetous i bring this example because men usually think that servants for their money are as other things that they buy even as a piece of wood which they may cut or hack or throw into the fire and so they pay them their wages all is well nay to descend yet more particularly if a man hath wherewithal to buy a spade and yet he chooseth rather to use his neighbours and wear out that he is covetous nevertheless few bring covetousness thus low or consider it so narrowly which yet ought to be done since there is a justice in the least things and for the least there shall be a judgment country people are full of these petty injustices being cunning to make use of another and spare themselves and scholars ought to be diligent in the observation of these and driving of their general school rules ever to the smallest actions of life which while they dwell in their books they will never find but being seated in the country and doing their duty faithfully they will soon discover especially if they carry their eyes ever open and fix them on their charge and not on their preferment secondly for gluttony the parson lays this ground he that either for quantity eats more than his health or employments will bear or for quality is liquorous after dainties is a glutton as he that eats more than his estate will bear is a prodigal and he that eats offensively to the company either in his order or length of eating is scandalous and uncharitable these three rules generally comprehend the faults of eating and the truth of them needs no proof so that men must eat neither to the disturbance of their health nor of their affairs which being overburdened 
or studying dainties too much they cannot well dispatch nor of their estate nor of their brethren one act in these things is bad but it is the custom and habit that names a glutton many think they are at more liberty than they are as if they were masters of their health and so they will stand to the pain all is well but to eat to one's hurt comprehends besides the hurt an act against reason because it is unnatural to hurt one's self and this they are not masters of yet of hurtful things i am more bound to abstain from those which by mine own experience i have found hurtful than from those which by a common tradition and vulgar knowledge are reputed to be so that which is said of hurtful meats extends to hurtful drinks also as for the quantity touching our employments none must eat so as to disable themselves from a fit discharging either of divine duties or duties of their calling so that if after dinner they are not fit or unwieldy either to pray or work they are gluttons not that all must presently work after dinner for they rather must not work especially students and those that are weakly but that they must rise so as that it is not meat or drink that hinders them from working to guide them in this there are three rules first the custom and knowledge of their own body and what it can well digest the second the feeling of themselves in time of eating which because it is deceitful for one thinks in eating that he can eat more than afterwards he finds true the third is the observation with what appetite they sit down this last rule joined with the first never fails for knowing what one usually can well digest and feeling when i go to meet in what disposition i am either hungry or not according as i feel myself either i take my wonted proportion or diminish of it yet physicians bid those that would live in health not keep a uniform diet but to feed variously now more now less and gerson a spiritual man wisheth all to incline rather to too much than to too little his reason is because diseases of ex-inanition are more dangerous than diseases of repletion but the parson distinguisheth according to his double aim either of abstinence a moral virtue or mortification a divine when he deals with any that is heavy and carnal he gives him those freer rules but when he meets with a refined and heavenly disposition he carries them higher even sometimes to a forgetting of themselves 
knowing that there is one who, when they forget, remembers for them. As when the people hungered and thirsted after our Saviour's doctrine, and tarried so long at it, that they would have fainted had they returned empty, he suffered it not, but rather made food miraculously, than suffered so good desires to miscarry. End of chapter 26